Hello and welcome to the Podagogy Podcast, the podcast that aims to bridge the gap between teaching, coaching and all things pedagogy. In this episode, I spoke with Craig Scott. Craig is a coach who's currently working in the USA. On the pod, we focused on Craig's experiences of the USA and how they fared against coaching in the UK. We also spent some time comparing our two UEFA B journeys. Thanks for downloading and enjoy. Awesome. Uh, Craig, thanks for joining me. Uh, I would say this evening, but obviously I know it's not the evening where you are. So thanks for joining me this morning, I guess. Afternoon, but yeah, it's just uh, 12.15 now. Awesome. Yeah. Um, like I say, I appreciate you giving up your time. Um, so before we get going, really, I'm just interested to kind of hear a bit more about uh, yourself, um, kind of your, your journey through coaching and how you found yourself where you are now. Yeah, so I was 16 um, and foolishly decided that I could do a better job than all my coaches <laughs> from youth. So I decided to start doing it and I was quickly found out how hard it is. Um, but I did my F uh, level two when I was at college. Um, I had great tutors or so lucky. I did an extended version of the of the level two because I was doing it at a, at a college. So it was like, you know, um, every topic was like extended out for a week rather than it beats being like a quick couple of hours so yeah I mean it was good lots of good learning there and then I went to university which was a natural pathway from the college um, and I did a bachelor's of science degree in football coaching and performance um, which I got a first class in uh, I did a dissertation on like coach athlete relationships in youth soccer and how like to build them based on Jowett's 4C model which was which was interesting um, I got good results from that um so in between that though I went to America for the first time which came around because I kind of just emailed every MLS club I knew and just said to see if there was a, a chance that I could get out here and I managed to get to Chicago Fire soccer in the community I did like the ran like the community programs for them um in 2018 and 19 but in 2019 because I finished university I stayed longer and went to Indiana and looked after under 14 girls team, two of them, um, A and B. Um, so that was good as well. And then I've kind of been back through COVID. So I did like some, I started getting into men's football when I went home. Um, so I did youth and men. So I worked with like local clubs at step five in, in the ladder and worked for Chelsea foundation. And now because I, my boss was the same as like 2018, 19, I decided to come back here and, I'm in California now and I'm coaching under 10 boys and girls and under 15 boys. So, um, yeah, I'm enjoying it. Um, it's definitely been a different kind of experience in California and Chicago, which makes it more interesting. I mean, the, the, the differences between states are quite phenomenal, to be honest. You don't realize it until you're here. That, like Chicago and California are like different countries. You know, it's, they're opposite side of America, but... It's like a different country because it's just the way that the cultural and way people behave and like it's so it's everything is just so different. But I mean, to be honest, I'm so glad I'm here and I wanted to come back. So I'm so pleased that I am. Um, I did do A for B um, after COVID, just before coming out. I managed to complete the the Welsh A for B version mm-hmm. as well. Um, because I was going to come out in 2020, but because of COVID, I put the brakes on and then I got on the way for B so it kind of worked out in the end um but yeah I mean there's so much 
so many good experiences so far. Only twenty five, so it's definitely exciting for me. But, um, but yeah, I'm enjoying it. Yeah, no, awesome. I mean, like I say, um, sounds like you've had um, a lot of you know different experiences on on both continents, working boys, girls, uh, open age, underage. So. It'd be interesting, firstly, just to kind of um, talk about maybe any kind of key differences that you've maybe seen. So you talked about even like state to state over there, how how it can be different. How have you found the difference between working uh, in the US and, and working here in the UK, um, maybe from a, you know, a football, culturally and from a football point of view, what sort of differences are there or similarities? There are, there are differences and there are similarities. I mean, to be honest with you, like right now, I was in Indiana before COVID and California after. Mm-hmm. And obviously, as I said, it's very different. But I think after COVID, like, I found here that c- the commitment from the, the, the players and the teams are really low. And I, and I don't know if it's because, like, it's been COVID and everyone's catching up with vacations or whatever. Um, but, yeah, I found that, like, in England, I, I've been so lucky because I've had, like, the best committed teams like I, I mean to be honest with you I've never had a team where I'm like there's no there's a commitment issue here but there, there's never been in England I don't know why but I've just been so lucky that every every team that I have wants to practice and they want to train they want to get better um to be honest with you in Indiana I had the girls team and like a lot of them played different sports and that came a little bit difficult because there's so much conflict with different sports like it's so hard to manage and here in California, like surfing and baseball, American football, they're so, they're so like, everyone loves all those sports and like soccer isn't the number one sport. And I think that's the problem. Like, I mean, it's getting better, but I mean, like, yeah, I mean, I've had to kind of try and like explain to my team and my parents and my players, like consistently, like, you know, guys, the more that you come, the better that we'll be as a team. I promise you, like, I can't I can't work magic if people don't turn up so I have to kind of keep banging that drum which is frustrating um I know it's summertime and I think it's going to get better when summer's finishing which is kids are going back to school even today so in, in America so um but I think commitment is one thing um you know I think as well like here in America I've I'm so like the reason why I love coming here is because like I get paid full time for a job that I want to do. And not only that, like I got more time to focus on my own personal development. And in, and in England, like, as you know, you can't really get a full-time job paid well, you know, you've got to have another job or something. And that's like, and that's, that's the, that's the hardest thing. Like it's the biggest thing about America is like, I come here, I have three teams. I look after three teams and I coach them all twice a week. And then I have games at the weekend and I have to do tournaments or whatever. And like, which is great. And I, I, but I get more time to myself and I get like, I can plan in good detail and I can manage things better. And Like in England, I think that's the problem is where I'm, I'm going from like working in a school from eight to three or half three. And then I've got to go straight to a men's session, which is an hour and a half away. And like, I've got to, I've got to spend my weekend planning, like what I'm going to do. And then things change, you know, people drop out, and you know what it's like, Yeah. you know, it's, com- it's a complete battle. I mean, at, at least here I've got more time and stuff like that to myself to be able to manage these things a little bit better. And I think that's why I want to be here is because I want to grow and develop. And not only that I want to grow and develop, but I want to, I want to have that, that time, where I'm in a different environment and I'm learning more about myself. And to be honest with you, like I would recommend America to anybody. And to be honest, it does have its challenges and it it is, you know, as, as you'll probably understand a little bit more in a little bit 
when I explain a little bit more, but like there's so many challenges here that that in England you're like I don't I don't have this problem like ever. So it's it's a little bit weird for me. Like I'm like, well, why do I have this problem so much right, right here? But to be honest with you, like those challenges make you better. You know, you you can't. I, I could stay in England, have a team, and just cruise control and never never get better or never experience these things. But to be honest with you, there's there's no point in doing that. You know, there's no point in me fighting for a full time position. You know what it's like. There's so many people right now that that that, that get the UEFA A license in a month and then they get a job. You know, yeah. you're like you've worked for your life to try and yeah. get somewhere and you get pushed down all the time. You know what I mean? Yeah. So to be honest with you, this being here, it just makes you different to everybody else, and it like the experiences that you can draw, and it just like they're so important for sure. Would you be able to elaborate a little bit more on maybe some of those problems that you know that you have faced, or some some examples of those at all? Um, let me try and think of a good example. To be honest with you, like here, the competition, like the need to win, mm. I find it more demanding in America than England. Okay. And I and I don't know if it's I mean, in England, as you know, you're probably looking at like what an under twelve is when you might have a league table. You know, you yeah. the FA protects you from league tables until then. Here, there's no protection. Sure. You know, I've seen uh, I've seen six and seven year olds play a game in a final and you think a cup final six and seven year olds and like they got parents and scream this isn't my club by the way no. <laughs> <laughs> but no but i have seen a final in a state and i'm thinking they're seven years old and there's like so much desire to win and like in england like we try and strive for the perfect balance of development versus winning and i think here in america it's not there isn't that much uh, protection from it. And I think there's so much like the parents want to win. Like I want to win as next, uh, as much as the next person, of course, but you know, th there's got to be a development aspects of what you're doing. I mean, and that's why I try in my teams right now, I try and play things down. I'm like, well, okay, it's fine if we don't win because I have an under 10s team, boys and girls. Mm -hmm. I'm like, it's totally cool if we don't win. I just want us to play well. I want us to think about what we've done in practice, try and put it into practice in a game. And if we lose by doing it, then I'm happy. If we win ugly because we didn't do what I asked you to, then I'm not going to be happy. You know, I have that kind of stance with the kids and I'm like, well, guys, I don't really want to, because they want to win and the parents want to win. But I always try and play that down as much as I can. Like, mm -hmm. okay, we'll take it easy. We don't have to win. It's only, they're only under 10. It doesn't matter. But whereas you 15, it's a little bit different. You know, I'm in a, I'm in a league now, we'll be starting in a couple of weeks, but the parents, I mean, the parents want to win. I want to win. The kids want to win, but we, we still got to win in the right way. You know, there's still going to be a development aspects of it. And uh, everyone's, everyone's got to get the right game time to develop. And as you know, I've got a, I've got a squad of 18. So having 11 v 11, but a squad of 18 and everyone turning up seven on the bench is never ideal. And I've got to try and get the right game time for the right people. I mean, like here, they because soccer's getting more popular now, I feel like the rosters are getting maxed out. So like you still, as a coach, you've just got to find like, well, how how do I get the best out of this player who I know he's weaker? You know, how do I how do I get this player on the field and how do I balance the team? Like I could put my strongest players on for the first for the start of the game, but then I know that I've got to make seven subs. Mm -hmm. And that's that's not gonna that's not gonna go down very well when I do that. So I have to make sure that I keep the balance. And that's that's a real big challenge for me. Like in England, I feel like the teams that I've had, I haven't really had to 
really think about, well, how do I keep the balance of this team? How do I keep this? How do I make this work? Whereas here, I just find, I don't know why, but I just find it a little bit more challenging. But again, as I said, it makes it, uh, for me, it makes me more conscious of what I'm doing and it makes, probably going to make me a better coach in the long run. So I have to be thankful for, for, for it, for sure. Yeah, sure. I mean, with obviously, as we know, football, soccer, not necessarily being the, the number one sport over there. Do you find at all that maybe there's a, a bigger disparity between what we would call, you know, your strivers and, and then those that need supporting? Or is it is it about the same? It's a good question, to be honest. And actually, I'm going to say that there is a bigger difference because, and, and I think because there's there's players that I find that are very good. Mm. I mean, I have one on my team right now. I mean, he he's, he's a good player, but he, he he's American football. Like his number one sport is American, yeah. but it's not soccer. So I don't really see him that much. I mean, when he when he comes, he gives me everything, and he's always he's always a strong player, and he always gives me everything that he has, and, which is great. But I mean, then you know, at some point in time, he's gonna maybe he maybe he'll fall behind, you know, and then I have to kind of go, well, okay, well he's falling behind because he's never been there, mm-hmm. or whatever. But I mean, I, there's definitely players in my team where I'm like, well, I've got to I've got to try and get you guys to be better and there's there's a bigger gap um in my experience i've found that there is a bigger gap and i'm not i'm not 100 sure why that is right now but maybe you know the, there's better 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 athletes that play american football and play play baseball and like and then there's people that love soccer and maybe they're not as good at soccer but they love it and they mm-hmm. play it anyway you know and then maybe that's why there's a big difference. The people that love soccer and they're great at it, you've got them at the top of your team. And then you've got people that like soccer, you know, they love soccer really, but they're not really that good athletes. Mm-hmm. And I think that's maybe why there's such a big difference because of the other sports. I think that's why it carries over. Yeah. I mean, obviously um, I've had conversations um, with, with other people around as well, the, the differences between the, the male and, and the female players. And as we know that, uh, USA, the, the women's team is a is a, is a machine and you know it's a real a, yeah. real, a real force in the game and and maybe not quite the same from from the men's side. Um, do you find there's a difference between the 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 attitude towards the game from those players or the attitude towards learning? Because over here, a conversation I've had as well, uh, we find that you know the female players seem to be a little bit more interested in the learning, a little bit more interested in the in the why, you know, the why we're doing something. Um, and kind of want to get that deeper understanding of, of what we're working on and what we're trying to learn here. Do you find anything similar over there at all? Yes, I do. Um, you know, I, I coach girls at U14. And to be honest with you, I wasn't a UFB coach then. I was only level two. But I think when I look back at what I did with them, it's not too dissimilar to what I do now, which mm-hmm. which is great. Um, you know, I, I've tried to keep a, a steady medium of what I do. But the, yeah, the girls, to be honest with you, there, there was things that I did with them. Like I used to make the areas really small because mm. I had a really, really good team. They were in the top, the top Premier State uh, for the first time. So I, I had to really get a hold of this team and like make them better technically and make them more aware of what was going on around them. So I used to make everything really small. Like I used to do something with them in smaller areas, and they used to ask me, "Why are we doing something in a smaller area when we're going to be doing it in half eleven v eleven or whatever later on?" 
And I kind of said, well, if you can do this now in a smaller area, when we play a game, you have more time and space. So you're more kind of uh, more, more aware of what's going on. And I think they used to ask me questions like that all the time. Like, you know, um, why, why are we doing this and why are we doing that? Or, or is there a reason why this is what, what we're doing right this second? And I used to have to try and explain to them the reasons behind what I was doing, which to be honest with you is, is, is good that they were asking me because yeah. then it makes me think about what I'm doing. I'm like, well, you know, I could just be turning up and doing whatever I want and they don't care, but actually they do care because they ask me questions. So it's good. But the boys right now, they don't really ask me anything about that or ask me why I'm doing something specifically. I mean, I have conversations with my captain a lot about what we're doing and what's going on because I feel like that's a really important thing at that age is that I have a captain that, that can get hold of the team and sort the team out as well. So I kind of have him. We, we have an open conversation all the time. But to be honest with you, yeah, I think the girls are more interested in what we're doing and why we're doing it. Which, again, you know, I mean, even I had a, I have U10 girls and U10 boys and I do similar stuff all the time with them. And the, the boys were never asking why I'm doing something. But the girls, they're asking me, well, you know, I might be doing some like little 1v1 game of small goals or something like quick transition, you know, yeah. just to get people warmed up. Yeah. And they would ask me, well, what's the relevance of this to the game? And they're, and they're only under 10. Mm-hmm. I think it's great that you're asking, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. And I would have to explain, like, well, when you lose the ball, I want you to press and get it back as quick as you can. This is why I use the whistle as signaling that you've lost the ball and then your reaction is to go and get the ball back. So I kind of have to try and explain things in a little way like that. But I mean, yeah, I would, I would agree that that's similar to England. Yeah, no, awesome. Um, you mentioned uh, kind of at the start of the pod, you've uh, recently finished your, your B licence, um, but you, you did it with, with FA Wales. And I, I know I'm seeing more um, people um, going towards uh, other... Um... Before you um, before you jump to that, I just want to... There's yeah. just one more... There's just two more things I want to say about yeah, America and why it's different. So the first thing I wanted to say was... Um, so I have a 2008-born team, which is under 15 right now. Um, I, with them right now, I found it really challenging to get through to them. And I think when, it, when I've been in England, I've kind of like always been able to demand my players to do things and like really be like, not aggressive, but kind of uh, want them to get better. And I kind of have the attitude to help them. But I think with my team right now, they don't respond to that. Mm. And I'm not sure why. And I just don't know if they've had a coach like it before or maybe it's different in that respect. So I've had to kind of change my personality with them and go, right, okay, well, this this whole demanding thing is not doing me any favors right now. Mm. So I have to kind of change the way that I am because I can't change the way that they act. Mm-hmm if I don't change what I'm doing. So I have to change something. So I changed. So what I did was one practice, I turn up and I, I did even go over to them. I, I literally stood back for about five to 10 minutes. I just see what they do without me. If they can warm themselves up or, you know, they know the routine. And I tried to be a little bit more relaxed with them. I just said, I'm going to take it easy. I'm just going to say right now that you guys, if you want to improve and you want to get better, then you've got to, you've got to prove to me that you want to learn. And if you start proving to me that you want to learn, then I'll teach you something. But otherwise, you know, I don't, I'm not going to keep demanding things off you because I want you to at least enjoy the experience. I don't want you to always feel like, you know, it's not going very well, whatever. I mean, this team has all the problems from before, but, um, you know, so I've had to kind of change my approach, which which is fine. 
But I think the hardest thing here right now is like the kids and, and the coaches, they change teams all the time. Like in England, I don't feel like that happens where I, where I was. I feel like the players are settled, you know, in, for you for the most part. You know, you have the same coach for maybe eight to ten years, maybe. Um, yeah. And that's a massive difference from here because here the coaches are changing all the time and the players are changing all the time. And it's not it's not it's a problem or anything, but it might make you better. It might make the players better later on because actually they've had to put up with like six or seven different coaches and maybe that's a good thing. But I just think that there's so much on like, um, there's so much things that are unsettled and I just think like with the, with the added desire to win and things being unsettled I just think it makes it really challenging you know here and that's one thing that I've got to try and get my head around is like well these kids are only going to have me for like eight to ten months at the max at the most so you know I've just got to make them better for the next for the next coach and you know what it's like you know in England where you have a team and you, it's your team Right, and you have the same team for like three, four, five, whatever years, and you're making the team better for for for, for yourself because you're going to have them and you get to take them forward. But here is different, so I think that's maybe why the attitude of some coaches isn't as good as England. And it's not to dig anybody out; I'm just giving it, uh, this a little bit of context. Yeah, and it's to say, well, you're not going to have those kids in eight months, so so maybe some people just don't care, and it's mm-hmm. sad, but it, I think it's a true. I think it's just true, you know, and. and um, I obviously care about my teams completely and I want to make them the best as I can make them because to be honest with you, I, I'm not here to cruise and I'm not here to have an easy life. I'm here to make the teams better. It doesn't matter if they're going to be with me next year or not going to be with me next year. It's okay. So, um, but I just think, you know, there's some hidden things, hidden messages in, in that, that that people miss. But also, the last thing I wanted to say was, um, so a big part of me sometimes is that I like to do technical patterns and warm-ups and I like to like kind of get my older teams into um, like playing out from the back or switching play but do some little patterns and to be honest with you like I did technical patterns and my team just couldn't grasp it at the beginning but they, they it's like they've never ever been shown a technical pattern in their lives it was like their faces and their body language was like what is this like what are you teaching us <laughs> it was quite funny but I think about it and I'm like, well, maybe they're just not used to being taught that way. Maybe they're just not, maybe they're just used to playing games and they're used to competition and 4v4 and 3v3. And, and it's great that they're used to that. But I think, you know, I'm coming out to America and I don't really want to change that much that I do in terms of the way that I do things because I periodize my plan and I try and keep things like I'm going to do something technical and then I'm going to maybe do a little bit of a skill game or, and then the second session, I might take it to a tactical development stage where I can teach the tactics of it and why we're doing breaking lines or why we're doing switching play, you know? Um, but I think, you know, I have to, sometimes I do technical things and I'm just not sure why, but then when we, when I add defenders, it gets better. You, you think so. And you think like in England, like when you do technical stuff, the players look very good. Like they can do it and they understand what they're doing and who they're passing to, where they're moving to. But then you add defenders and sometimes it, it goes, it gets worse. But in the America, it gets better. I'm <laughs> not sure why, but I think it's just the way that people are learning. You know, I think it's just different, but it's fine. As I say, all these experiences, I mean, I'd recommend it to anybody. And if anyone wants to reach out to me, ask me for the contact number of my boss that has opportunities all over the States, I'd happily give it to anybody because I think I'd recommend it to anybody for sure. I know you want to talk about UEFA B, so we can... Yeah, no, but I mean, just, just, just quickly to kind of finish that bit off, I guess maybe that goes back to what you were saying about that uh, competitive edge um, over mm-hmm. there. Maybe they need that 
someone else. Yeah, need defender. They maybe, do, yeah. Maybe, I think you're right. Conversation. But yeah, as, as I was saying before, you say you've recently done your B licence with um, FA Wales. I'm seeing more and more people um, particularly from from England, uh, going off with with other um, football associations to complete qualifications, and it's something I explored myself as well, um, not not too recently. So I'd be interested to kind of um, hear a bit more about your um, UEFA B journey. I've recently finished mine as well with uh, with the English FA. So it'd be good mm-hmm. to hear kind of about your experience of the course, kind of what you took from it, and I'll kind of see if there's any parts of of our journeys that almost align, if you like, or, or bits that don't. Um, yeah, so. The Welsh FA, to be honest with you, I really like the model and I really like what they're doing. Um, so what they what they did is they they split the game into in possession, out possession, transition, but they they make the the elements of that quite specific. So for example, in possession you have um, breaking lines, you have switch and play, um, you have final third, um, and I've got to think of what the other one was now. Uh, I think it might be combinations or something. Um, and they do all that stuff, which is which is really good because like you get to kind of explore those in more detail. So for example, you know, I'm I might not have known that much about switching play really until I got into the Welsh FA and realized that actually, you know, switching play, there's more it's more to switching play than just moving the ball from side to side. You know, mm-hmm. there's there's um what you do after you switch to play, you know, how do you set yourself up to switch to play, you know, what where do you need support? You know, how quickly you move the ball, full speed, you know, all those kind of things. And you kind of get to see that. And then it's like breaking lines, it's like over, around and through. And you got to think about, well, okay, so if I wanna if I wanna break lines through, well, how do I move the opposition? Um, you know, how do I stretch the opposition to break lines? But it might be moving the ball left and right. You know, it might be uh, movement to break lines, for example. You know, how do I get around players? How do I create overloads? Is the other one? Sorry, create overloads. How do I create overloads? Um, you know, can I create overloads in the central part of the field by someone dropping in? Can I create an overload by a fullback making an overlapping run? You know, there's there's certain little details that I take, and I'm like, you know, this is the way that I want to play, and like I, then I have to kind of explore a little bit more detail. But I mean, the elements are really, really good for me, and I I, I use it now. And the way that I plan sessions right now is based on the Welsh FA. So everything that I do now is from the Welsh FA and to be honest with you I wouldn't have had it any other way I mean I have friends that do the Welsh FA as well and we all have the same opinion you know the way that they teach the course and the way they break things down for you and mm-hmm. the way the, the, the challenge is like for example in your session plan you have to do what ifs which is like you have to think of like three scenarios where well okay I want to break lines or something but I have to think about what if this happens you know, what if the opposition do this to me? Then how do I respond? You know, so you're consciously aware of, of even now in games, I'm looking at it and thinking, well, the opposition have now gone to a 4 3 3 and I'm playing a 4 4 2. So how do I now counter at the fact that they've got three midfielders and I only have two? Sure. Well, the opposite winger comes in to help me out, as an example. So I just have to keep, like, I keep thinking of different scenarios and how do I, how do I manage this? How do I do this? How do I do that? You know, so um, to be honest with you, it's just made me so much more aware. And I would, I'm so thankful, um, honestly. You know, we learn more about pitch geography, positions in more detail. Like, this is so much positive from it that I recommend to anybody. But I'll be interested to hear what the English FA did because I was going, I, I mean, I was on the wait list for that one. Yeah. And then because of COVID, things got pushed back and I didn't really want to wait too much longer. So I looked into the Welsh FA, but 
it'll be interesting to see how different it is. Yeah, I mean, so we, we there's there's elements in there that are similar in terms of you know breaking the game down in possession out, you know transition both ways. Um, mine mine was probably quite unique in that I started it you know pre COVID and then had about you know eighteen months or so of, of nothing and then was lucky enough wow. to, to go back to it and 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 my county FA was one of few that um, again I'm very grateful that they decided to you know um to finish it off well, I was, i'm aware that yeah. some county fas just just didn't um for, for yeah one. this is a problem i had yeah. yeah so i had the opportunity to, to to return after covid and finish it which again i'm you know really, really really grateful for but it was more around um you know block one was very much around this like idea of the primary player um you know and okay we let's say we'll i'll stick with your theme you know something like switching play my primary player might be my my number four or six whatever you want you know the pivot player holding midfielder yeah. um and it was about how i work with that player within the session so and looking at you know different okay. ways. and then the next block we then you know looks at then maybe around the ball so a player within a unit so how does that uh number four who's my primary player what's their relationship and interaction with maybe the two eights in front of them and looking mm -hmm. at that and that unit and that player within the unit and then the next block you again take that even further around then units within units so how does that midfield unit interact with uh the winger and the fullback as, as their own little unit as well and, and how they then interact and kind of then build in on kind of away from and around the ball and starting really yeah. kind of narrow vision and then building it out which i which i really liked and that's given me kind of a, a good way of you mentioned like you know session planning as, as well um in terms of right this, yeah. is, this is my first player and i need to get them right first and and they're, they're they are important if we do nothing else tonight we, we nail it with that player and then kind of branch out when when you know as and when we can but i like what you mentioned about that that what if because i had the same experience at the weekend you know we're, we're about three or four weeks into pre-season now um we spent a few weeks on on pressing and how we press in in our team shape but we did a lot of that work against pressing against a either a 4-3-3 or a 4-4-2 because generally that's what we found we faced last season um second game of pre-season on sunday the team sets up 3-5-2 now suddenly that impacts how how we press because we've asked uh so and so to press the center back well now there's three center backs not two now there's yeah, wing backs, right. not full backs and a winger so that like what you're talking about mm. the idea of having what ifs um is really good there was a similar thing in terms of having what what we quite refer to as pictures so picture yeah. one is like what i want to nail so um it might be my number four locking onto number 10 that's that, that's the first picture really really simple one but then yeah, the yeah. might be the ball goes over your head into the striker. So now you've got to do like a job and a half. So rather than, I guess the word, it wasn't yeah. named these what ifs, but it was like pictures and almost a bit of a checklist that you can, you can work through. And if yeah. we get through the first one, then we only get through the first one tonight. But if they tick that off in the first five minutes, then I need something else, a different problem yeah. to give them or a different thing for me to move on to. So I guess there are some, some similarities there. Yeah, we had the same. I mean, like when I did my in possession uh, breaking lines uh, assessment, the second one, I did like uh, I did it so like I wanted to spend like ten minutes on how to break lines by playing through. So mm -hmm. I kept speaking about the striker's movement to drop in, you know, to play or maybe a one-two bounce pass to the eight to set the winger wide or something like that, just to try to play through them. And then, but once I've done that, then as you say, I need to now think of another way of doing it. So I might, then I speak about, well, how do I play around? You know, so how do I create an overload to play around somebody? So I kind of had to have these different pictures in my head about like four or five different pictures of, okay, well, if this goes wrong, but then I've got to think about triggers. Like, 
I can't manufacture the practice. So what I have to do is go, well, I can only go in when this happens. Cause I like, there's always pictures in my head that I want to coach, but if it doesn't happen, then I can't coach. Yeah. You know, like that's what happened in, in the Welsh FA. So what I did was I had different ideas. I'm like, well, okay, if the striker drops in and loses possession of the ball, then I can, sp- then I can stop the practice. Um, like what happened in the practice, to be honest, so I can stop the practice, talk about when he should move into which position he should move into and when he moves in, what the other players should be doing around him so we keep the ball and we break line successfully. If we lose the ball by playing it wide because we got isolated in 1v1 and we didn't, we didn't support the player on the ball to play around, hmm. then if, 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 there's an, if there's a 1v1 isolation and the defender wins the ball, then I can stop the practice again and I can go over there and say, look, your fullback needs to support under the ball because he, he's not in a position to beat the player yet but he needs your help to have the ball back. So then you can release him as a, as a, as a one, two, you know? Yeah. Um, so I had to have these ideas in my head. It was like when I was defending the, I was defending the switch of play from the front in the last assessment. So I had to work on the first press first, obviously. And then once I've worked on the first presser, I could talk about the next two and mm. what they're supposed to be doing. Like the, uh, the eight locks onto the floor or whatever. And then the wingers stay narrow at the beginning. And then when the ball goes wide, as long as your distance between you and the fullback is sufficient, you can get there when he gets the ball. So I try to make pressing traps, you know, but I had to start logistically. I mean, defensively, to be honest, it's different to in possession because in possession, anything can happen when you have the ball. So you have to be prepared to know what happens. But the out of possession, if you're pressing or something, it's quite clear. The first person you work with is the presser. <laughs> and then you just, it goes down like a knock on effect. And then you work on the next people, and then you work on the next people, and then hopefully by the end you've successfully got the shape correctly, and then you then you get the ball. But you know, I just find now it's just the way I think about things. I'm like, well, I want to work with this player, but I have to work with him first, and then I can work with him. So I just do things in a logistical way. But yeah, it makes makes me uh, it makes me conscious. I mean, the coursework was good because we did like tasks on like you know. Um, how to be a, the qualities of a successful coach, the physical considerations, life skills, tactical development, analysis. Um, so, yeah, we had to analyze like Liverpool, Man City and stuff like that, which was good. So did things like that. But, yeah, I mean, like the task was good. A lot of it online learning like tasks. But, yeah, I mm. mean, the Welsh FA is, is really good and they have a lot of courses. So anybody looking to do it, I think the people should definitely look into it because there's definitely lots of room. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess whatever you're teaching, there's a process, isn't there? You know, um, we have to be able to do A, B and C before we can do D, E and F. Like, we need Absolutely. to have that foundation, whether we're teaching football, whether we're teaching science, you know, whatever. There's, there has I think to- it makes you more aware. Doing the course makes you more aware of it, though. I think sometimes before I might have not have worked in that way, to be honest with you. No. And it sounds really stupid to not have worked in that way. But I think when you're a new coach, you don't really... You know, you you wanna you wanna you wanna get you wanna make something better, but you don't really know how to. But I think when you do the way for B, you realise that more for sure. Yeah, I mean that was the one I think for me was the one that really stretched me and really pushed me. But as you say, being stretched, being pushed is where we is where we learn and where we improve. So it was definitely probably the toughest time, but also the most beneficial for me in terms of developing and learning. Oh, hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah. And now, now I plan on Sports Session Planner because we get that from the Welsh FA. So we get that oh, for free. So I use that and it's amazing, it, honestly. So it's so, it's so it's so good because like, you make the pictures and like yeah. I know now that I, I do the organisation, I do a couple of senses on how I organise the session, then I do the objectives and then I do like 
um, the how and the coaching points and stuff like that. I just like, I know how to plan a session now in good detail. So I'm thankful for that as well. Uh, no, no, really interesting uh, insight to kind of just to compare those there. So any uh, regular listeners or anyone that's listened to any of the, the earlier episodes will know that I like to finish just kind of a bit of a, a quick fire set of questions. So uh, for you, uh, Craig, um, what would be your three fundamentals to successful uh, coaching and teaching? Commitment. As I said, you know, it's a big part of me. I, I don't... I, I, I can never see why someone would do something without committing 100%. So I think that's one thing for me. Another one would be togetherness and unity. Um, I think those things are, again, you know, you've got to be united as a, as, a, as, a, as a coach. You've got to unite everybody together to get the best possible outcome. And passion. I think passion is just, you know, you've got to have a passion for what you're doing because you, you don't deliver the best you can without the passion, for sure. Yeah, I think that, that last one, that really resonates with me. I think that's the big one. I think um, there's a lot of uh, a lot of uh, obstacles and bad times, I think, with with things like yeah. teaching, coaching, a lot of battles. And like I think unless you've really got that that passion and you, and you really love it, I don't think it's then going to be worthwhile. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're totally right. You're totally right. There's so much. There's, so, there's, there's sometimes almost there's more hard times than good times, mm. you know, almost that, I think, yeah. sometimes yeah um uh if i could send you back uh you know with the you know i think it's how many years of experience you've had now and the experiences you've had and, and courses and whatnot if you could go back now to, to craig that was just starting out what would you say what would be the advice you'd give uh, to be adaptable to every situation be prepared to face tough times as a coach but stay grounded enjoy the good moments when they come celebrate every development developmental gain no matter how small because they all count yeah i think that that's a, a really good point to make as well yeah we've, we've kind of i think we've we've played it down a bit there by saying there's a lot of tough times but also like you say it's a lot a lot of good times and a lot of wins um no matter mm. how small it's really important to to celebrate those as well and and, and stay positive so yeah definitely agree with that one there um and obviously if there's anyone you would recommend that i, I look to try and speak to anyone that you'd like to hear from Ooh, geez. Um, so many so many people i could recommend because you know there's so many good people doing good things and um i mean i have a tutor that he was a college tutor and, and university for a little bit and uh there's two of them uh darren kilpatrick and alex twitchin but they're probably the two most influential people that i I've been able to come into and they have so much knowledge to give UA for a coaches, but they have so much to give, uh, which, which is amazing. Um, there's people that, that I, I, I run webinars for, for in, in lockdown as well. And I spoke to so many good people. Um, you know, I spoke, I was, I was so lucky to speak to Thomas Gronimark, the throwing coach at Liverpool. I spoke mm-hmm. to speak to him. Um, I spoke to Marcus DiBernardo, who is, uh, is American, but he, well, I think he's, um, he lives in America uh, and he, he, he like talks about how to develop the soccer brain at, at, at a younger age. So there's so many, there's so many good people I could say, honestly, I could send you a list of people. Um, I don't know. Yeah. There's a few comments there. Uh, Craig, honestly, it's been fantastic. A really, a really great insight. So thanks for giving up your time for me today. Um, and obviously enjoy and enjoy the rest of your day. It's a little bit later here, so I'll be. I think I'll be thinking about bed soon. But you enjoy the rest of your yeah. day. And I wish you all the you best, too. everybody. Thanks, Craig. Thanks, Craig. Thanks, Craig.
Thanks, man. Uh, hopefully people take it. As I said um, earlier on, if anyone wants to reach out to me and ask me more questions about America or how to get here and what it takes to get here, because it's not easy. Um, but if anyone wants to talk to me about that, I have contacts that um, people that have jobs all the time. So as I say, if anyone wants to contact me, um, you can catch me on Twitter. Uh, I think it's at Coach Craig Scott one. Um, and you, yeah, and then I'm, I'm, as I say, I'm more than happy to talk to anybody about America. Awesome. Appreciate that. Well, thank you very much. No, thank you. See you later. Take care. As mentioned, you can find Craig on Twitter at Coach Craig Scott One. Another thanks to Craig for joining me today, and another thank you to you for listening to this episode of Podagogy. Thank you, and see you next time.